Welcome to Biz Takeouts, Biz Community's sound bite-sized news to go, made possible by ACA, Association for Communications and Advertising. I'm your host, Rutendo Nyamuda. Coming up on today's show, Claire Kobeldick, GM of Gumtree South Africa, IAB South Africa Vice Chair, and IAB South Africa Executive Board Member. In conversation with Avani Singh, founder and co-director of Alt Advisory, IAB South Africa Regulation Council Chair, and IAB South Africa Executive Board Member, as well as Farmida Kassim Surti, CEO of DSTV Media Sales and IAB South Africa Executive Board Member. You know, when people think about internet-based advertising or digital advertising in its traditional format, you think of the sort of blast approach of lots of brands there. Uh, you know, you think about fraud, safety, you know, a whole lot of challenges, etc. I do think that with, uh, with regulations around data, what it does mean is that in terms of offering more addressability, um, you are actually accepting more quality over quantity. So I think it will lift the game for, uh, for, the, you know, for the digital economy per se. It's time for Biz Takeouts. Claire, as the GM of Gumtree South Africa and IAB South Africa Vice Chair, as well as an executive board member, you must have been extremely busy since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic with the lockdown and as people in every sphere of business, media consumption, education, and even socializing pivoted online and went into these digital spaces. Can you comment on some of the key changes, challenges, and opportunities you've seen in the past couple of months? The the lockdown for Gumtree and the online digital space overall has been just a a period of of huge changes in every industry. Um, For Gumtree, I think we were slightly different to a lot of the um, other big local publishers in that trade, which is what we facilitate, me buying and selling and selling my stuff to to other members of our marketplace, um, was absolutely forbidden. You know, there was no opportunity for, for, for contact between buyers and sellers during the hard lockdown. Um, and so kind of just pre to the lockdown, we saw massive um, influx in demand, in particular as people were preparing for the lockdown. So sports and hobbies equipment and um, home gym equipment went through, went through the roof. Um, but in fact, interestingly, unlike particularly the news publishers, um, we saw much lower engagement during the period of hard lockdown because trading was just not possible. Um, what we did interestingly see was uh, massive growth in um, more kind of uh, auxiliary areas to our normal marketplace. Um, so obviously the online essential services and you know typical entrepreneurialism of South Africa, anyone who was able to get permission to trade was marketing their services through our platform. And then also interestingly community support, which was amazing. Um, we, we have a small community support category on the platform, but um, there really was an influx of people both looking for support, but also offering support, which was, which was super to see. Um, and then through the, the end of, of, of lockdown, obviously, we, we've now seen a, a massive resurgence. And it's interesting because it's mirrored in um, some of the other classified sites in European markets where 
there's suddenly just massive demand, first of all, because people are preferring to buy and sell where they can online. So, so you know, keeping as, uh, less contact as possible. Um, but also that people are looking for bargains and, and ways to make money through very tough economic times. So there's definitely a huge amount of activity. What's kind of weird is the juxtaposition that I know so many of the local publishers, and this is the real challenge, um, is that whilst we're now seeing record levels, and certainly um, during March and April, um, the largest news publishers were seeing never before seen uh, uh, visit numbers, huge, huge volumes of, of visitors and engagement in their platforms. Um, yet our primary uh, uh, revenue model is based on advertising and the, the you know, advertising demand is just really reduced. And so there's this massive need um, that local publishers are filling, um, but the opportunity actually to continue running the business is increasingly challenging. And I think that's the, 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 the tough spot um, that, that we've been all placed in. Um, Gumtree, you know, we, we facilitate for um, large-scale corporate advertisers and then smaller businesses as well. And we're seeing both impacted um, by reductions in, in marketing spend. Um, and so, you know, that, that I think is a, is a, is a challenge. Um, it's a challenge that existed pre-COVID. Um, you know, demand and pricing, there's a lot of competitiveness in, in, in what people will pay for, for digital impressions. Um, and so I think the opportunity out of it um, is actually just really smarter thinking about the product that we're selling as, as publishers, the, the advertising, what we're, we're selling, um, and also making sure that we're answering as best as possible marketers' needs and our users' needs. Um, and so in that way, I think the, the, the real focus for us is actually on um, spending more time and custom building marketing solutions um, in terms of really considering objectives, um, spending time on how you define the audience, what you're messaging and, 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 and doing lower volumes, but, but better quality in, in conversion. So helping um, match up the right group of users with the message from the marketer rather than these giant mass campaigns. So um, there is there's a need for us to refine our proposition and, and think more smartly. And there's still lots of opportunity with it, but certainly it's, it's, it's challenging times as, as local publishers at the moment. Mm. That's very interesting that you speak about kind of the balance in terms of having an increase of people and eyes on online and that kind of in contrast with the decrease in advertising that's happening. Mm. Very interesting. Um, Avani, as founder and co-director of Alt Advisory, a public interest advisory firm focusing on public law, information rights, data privacy, emergent technology and social innovation on the continent, you're in an ideal position to explain new regulations with regards to the freedom of speech, safety, and the new Papier Act to come into effect in 2021. In fact, you're in charge of drawing up the manual, and so can you share with us some of the latest developments, why they are being put into place, and what impact the regulations are likely to have? 
We've waited a long time for the Protection of Personal Information Act to come into force. It was signed into law in 2013, and it sort of had a staggered approach, um, but it's only been this year that the substantive provisions of PAPIA have really come into force. And now both the public and private bodies have a one-year grace period before they're obliged to comply with the provisions and before it becomes enforceable and people can start lodging complaints. But we've seen already what a big impact it can have just this past week with the Experian data breach where you know, millions of, of pers uh, pieces of personal information were shared. It's really created quite a ruckus around people being very concerned about how their personal information is being treated and being stored um, and how long it's being retained for. And so I think the biggest thing about Poppy is that it can't be business as usual any longer. Um, we try and help uh, organizations ensure a balanced approach between reasonable processing activities while still being able to perform their core functions. But there are a lot of things that need to, to change in order to comply with the legislation. One of the biggest things I think is that you have to have a clear purpose for collecting per personal information. Um, and so you can't go about just collecting as much information as possible any longer and then deciding down the line what it is you want to do with it. You can also only store that information for as long as it's reasonably necessary to meet that purpose. So I think organizations really need to start thinking very carefully about how they approach personal information and defining their strategy. And there's a number of practical ways in which we encourage people to do that. And that's something that we're really looking into with the manual that we're developing with the IAB and the training workshops that we're going to be rolling out. Um, in addition to kind of covering the theoretical basis, we're doing two key things that I think make it quite different from other trainings. Um, the one is we're drawing on direct comparative guidance from, for example, the European Union and from the United States, where we've seen um, further advancements in the law than, than we're currently experiencing here. Um, and then the second, I think, is we're really crowdsourcing ideas from members. So we're going to be putting out a survey to members and asking members what's of kind of pivotal importance to them in terms of their data protection implementation. I think just to add that one of the key things that we've seen, one of the key developments that we've seen is the information regulator publishing um, guidelines information offices. And for private bodies, the way that works is that the head of the organization is automatically the information officer in terms of puppy, which means that the CEO or the, the chief executive officer or whoever the head of the organization might be, is the primary person responsible for the implementation and oversight of the legislation. So this means that it's not something that you can just simply delegate. Ultimately, your senior executive level is obliged to make sure that this is a strategy that is developed and implemented. Um, and so we really encourage organizations to take this as seriously as possible, um, not to be overly daunted by it, not to treat this as a chore, but to really think about this from a business perspective. Why it is that your customers will value the fact that you're treating their personal information in a, respect, in a respectful and reasonable manner, why it is that you're complying with their rights in terms of the legislation. Um, and I think that this is more and more going to become a business imperative, not just a nice to have, not just a regulatory requirement, but something that's really central to a business model that's developed. Mm, that is absolutely incredible to hear. And even taking it one step further as well is obviously businesses understanding the importance of it, but also customers and consumers. I think sometimes we do things blindly, not knowing how much our rights are being impacted or what information we're giving out. We're just so click to click on, you know, yes, I accept, uh, you know, all the rules of being on this website. Absolutely. What does that actually mean? 
Um, and I'm going to go into a question for Famida because this actually kind of links into what you've just spoken about as well. Um, Famida, you are the CEO of DSTV Media Sales. We last saw you presenting at the NetBank IMC conference, a landmark virtual event for South Africa. Uh, we hope you saw yourself covered on this community as well. <laughs> and among other things, you spoke about the future of video content in digital advertising advertising, uh, connected TV, measurement, vi video, etc. How are the regulations that Avani has mentioned going to affect the innovation in the industry in South Africa? Um, and how should we be looking at them? Yeah, I think uh, firstly, thank you, Avani, for highlighting that it's the CEO's responsibility. You've just given me a whole load of extra work. <laughs> So I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, so I think that uh, for me to have more regulation in the space uh, in terms of where digital video advertising is going, it's, it's probably going to be better for the industry because what you, what you are then faced with is that um, this concept of, uh, you know, when people think about internet-based advertising or digital advertising in its traditional format, you think of the sort of blast approach of lots of brands there, uh, you know, you think about fraud, safety, you know, a whole lot of challenges, et cetera. I do think that with, uh, with regulations around data, what it does mean is that in terms of offering more addressability, um, you are actually accepting more quality over quantity. So I think it will lift the game for, uh, for, the, you know, for the digital economy per se. So um, Avani, I mean, I was just making jokes about uh, uh, that it gives us uh, you know, extra work to do, but we're looking forward to it. We do think that in a world where you've got addressable advertising and you've got OTT connected TV video services, you want to be able to push premium type advertising to consumers. Um, and you want to be able to offer addressability where it's safe from a data point of view. So you don't want any consumer backlash because any consumer backlash around the advertising will put the content into question. So I think for us as a sort of a premium content type business, we're excited about it. Um, I'm not excited about the work part, but I'm definitely excited about what it actually means for the industry. Yeah. Mm. And certainly with that, so many advances that are going to be coming in the next, you know, not even just the next couple of months, but the next couple of years, especially in the way that everything has pivoted so quickly. Uh, coming back to Avani, you're also dealing with the forthcoming FPB film and publications board remit. Following on what uh, Famida has just said, can you talk about the potential opportunities and impact in the digital marketing space? Yeah, so I think the Film and Publications Board, um, the amendment regulations that have recently been published, raise some really interesting questions um, that Famid has also touched on here. And I think when we talk about um, online content regulation, it's something that we need to approach quite cautiously. I think there's a lot of concern, like Famida mentioned, about the commission of cyber crimes, um, things like issues of hate speech online, things that we really need to be genuinely concerned about. But I also think we want to be cautious about making sure that the internet remains a robust and exciting place for discourse, for the exchange of ideas, um, a marketplace for people to share content. Um, and so from an IAB perspective, when we looked at the Film and Publication Board Amendment regulations that were published, we had some concerns about the, the scope of it, so that it perhaps went a little bit further than, than would be reasonably necessary um, for the purpose that was trying to be achieved. 
Um, and so to that end, we, we put in a submission to the Film and Publications Board, um, particularly focusing on the fact that things like the definitions need to be tightened. So for example, a very clear definition of who constitutes a distributor in terms of the legislation. So that it's made very clear that it's not just you or me who's sharing content about my cat or my child um, that needs to be classified before um, we, we post content online, but it's really about where your core business is distributing films, publications, or games. That's what we're looking at. Um, and then also making sure that the, the definitions of things like hate speech, harmful content, are, are really narrowly circumscribed. So we're not encroaching on the right to freedom of expression. We still make sure that the sharing of online content is something that's really important. We recognize the importance of that and is enabled to be done in a free and, and, and robust manner. Um, but whilst making sure that we can that the internet is also a safe and comfortable place for people to exchange ideas, um, and so striking that appropriate balance is something that we've been focusing on. And again, we want to, with the extension of the deadline, what we're hoping to do is draw on ideas from members and potentially supplement the submission that we had put in previously to to make sure that it's representative of, of a wide range of views. And out of interest, and, and I'm opening this question up to anyone. Um, different industries have, you know, obviously different regulations, but you kind of have to keep up to date with them ever so often. For example, if you're in the medical practice, you have to make sure that you're uh, registered and, you know, all of these checks that one needs to go through. Within this industry, although there are, as mentioned, the regulations and um, kind of things that we need to adhere to, who's making sure that everyone within the industry is up to date with all the regulations? Yeah, I think uh, if I can maybe answer from my perspective, because uh, we are possibly in, in two industries, you know, kind of traditional television, and of course now um, digital, uh, quite a big plate for us in our business as well. Um, I would say that a lot of it is up to us as businesses in order to be staying abreast of regulation. So people like Avani, obviously make it possible where you are staying abreast of regulation and you're calling out things before sort of any challenges or, or dangers uh, come your way. So this, this thing around self-regulation is extremely important for businesses to thrive um, and also kind of self-education about regulation. So I would say that it's the business's responsibility. Yeah. yeah um, Rotendo, if I can just add there, I, I totally agree with Famida. Um, and the role of the IAB is, rather than watchdog, is facilitator. So it's an enabler of providing that awareness and information education um, and opportunity also for industry um, bodies to share with one another and, and, and also determine a, a common perspective. So um, it is very much self-regulation, but then the facilitation and enablement of, of the IAB as an example in the, the digital marketing space. Mm -hmm. I think just to add, I couldn't agree more with Claire and Fanita. I think they've, you know, they're absolutely right. And I think what we've seen now with some of the instances of non-compliance with the regulations is the reputational harm that comes with that. Um, and that's really a business concern. So, you know, you can have the information regulator investigating a complaint, you can have the press council looking into it, but really it's what customers are requiring, that there is regulatory compliance and that, that we meet the demands that the law requires. I want to pivot slightly towards a discussion around audiences. 
And Claire, particularly when it comes to you, I want to find out how can marketers and publishers ensure that we're giving them what they want? Do we have access to new premium audiences? Um, what do they need in terms of content, formats, channels, channels and access models? Super. So first of all, I just want to give Famida a hot tip that um, one of the um, products that Avani is producing is an information officer toolkit and guide, which is Brilliant. everything you need to know about Brilliant. being an information officer. And I was very pleased to hear about that myself because I had the Thanks. same reaction was like, take note, oh boy, this is going to be me. <laughs> so, yeah, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a nice do's and don'ts and what you need to know from, from Avani and the IAB. Um, but to your question, Rotendo, on um, premium audiences and, and, and just audiences overall, and I think actually what's super interesting is all of these discussions actually converge because... Um, I think, you know, what, what Poppy and protecting um, user information, um, but also considering, it forces us to consider our users and what they're looking for and what's relevant to them. Um, and then my original point with regards to um, making sure that we're closer to marketers' objectives. And I think that those actually overlap because it's, um, making sure that you're targeting people who are most interested in the message that you're delivering. Um, and then it becomes a win-win situation. And if I use a very practical example, we have you know, thousands of cars listed on our site and we can um, track an audience who has responded to a particular brand of car in a particular price range. If I then know that there is an interesting deal on a car that fits into that price range and is a similar, you know, spec, that's useful for me as a user to say, wow, I'm looking for a 200,000 Rand car and here's a special discounted one for 180,000 Rand. Um, and so I think the, 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 these premium audiences, which is sort of this catchphrase, is actually just cleverly using information that we are, this is first party information as well. This is not information that I'm getting from anybody else. This is what I, I understand from what you're doing on, on my platform. Um, so it's, it's the information that you're sharing with me firsthand. Um, and then that I'm using that in a clever way that actually makes your experience richer. Um, because I know that you're shopping for cars, I know that you're shopping for this kind of car, and I'm going to present you marketing messages that match what you're doing here. Um, and I think that that actually is is really the that will enable us as a, me as a publisher to charge a premium for that because it's more likely that you're interested, and therefore I've got a stronger likelihood of actually converting that 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 um, that engagement. Um, and then that extends to how that message is delivered. And, and I think the, the, the digital and video um, messaging uh, just tends to be so much more powerful. So I think there's a whole lot of space around that. And then also beyond just a banner messaging, you know, a lot of the local publishers are, are very um, smart and shrewd at wrapping messages, but in enriched content. So whether that's video content or written content, but it's just providing um, more information because we can't think of 
the message is this one-dimensional little 300 by 250 banner on the internet. You have then the depth of opportunity to, you know, surround that with um, video messaging and background information and, 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 and content. And it's not that this, some of it is new technology that makes it available. Um, but I actually also think that it's just um, publishers and marketers becoming more mature in the space and needing to think um, more consciously and then also more ambitiously about how, how they're handling their, their marketing activity. So I think there's no shortage of opportunity um, for successful marketing conversion, but it just requires a lot of rigor and care and um, using the tools that are available effectively. And, and that, 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 that's just, um, I think, even Poppy, it just is actually stopping thinking, putting in the legwork, putting in the, 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 the hard yards up front, um, optimizing and adapting as you go. Um, and and that, that is, it's, it's old solutions to new problems, but I, I really believe that that's the heart of, of where um, premium opportunities for, for marketers and publishers sit. Mm -hmm. So maybe if I can just add to what, uh, what Claire's also just said, I mean, for us, it's, uh, it's easy if you have a premium environment and we know that digital video is such an important part of, of marketing for the future. I think it's important to, to understand what the technical possibilities are, um, to also mix that with the creative possibilities from a brand. Um, and then create an ad experience that is really reflective of what viewers actually want to see. Um, and in that way, you're able to, to marry content with advertising creative because you can't put crap creative next to great content. And I think what we try and encourage is to say that let the, let, let the advertising be quite immersive in the content. Let it look like you're not out of that environment completely so that the, the viewer completely enjoys that as well. So, yeah. I totally agree, Famida. And, you know, I think that that's, it, it, it might require more work because it means that you then need to create creative that fits that particular environment Yep. Um, but the opportunity for success is so much greater. And, and I, I really oh, think that... I think, that the, I think the, the memory around it for viewers, uh, you know, you could, you could take the learnings from um, big broadcast opportunities like World Cups and you see what big brands like Nike and Adidas do over their time. Those ads are so incredible. They, you, you look at them and you think about them, you'll go back to search for them. You know, it's the type of ad that is part of the viewing experience, but it has longevity in terms of what you remember from the brand ethos. And I think that's, I mean, you can, you know, not all brands can be, can be a Nike or Adidas or, or any kind of big global machine, but there are certain creative ways you can do to localize and to target and be more addressable in your approach. But I do think that good creative from marketers is the best advice I can give. Mm. Yeah. One word that, I, that I'm also hearing within this conversation is the concept of opportunity. And so I actually want to find out um, essentially this series of conversations between uh, as a collaboration between this community and the ACA has had an intention of showing the value of advertising, marketing, and the media sectors to the South African economy. And one of the key values of the creative advertising industry 
is that they are communication specialists. We're talking to people who specialize in this field. And so I want to find out from the three of you, starting with Avani, what new opportunities, what might we be seeing for content makers and communicators in the digital spaces? So I think it's a couple of things that I, you know, I'd like to touch on. Um, the first is one of the kind of key issues that the IAB has been looking at is around the issue of universal access to the internet. So making sure that um, when we talk about online content, we have as many people as possible who are able to get online and once you are online to be able to do so safely. And so I think, you know, looking at it through that lens is something that's quite important to really facilitate online access to to push for um, for more people to be able to access the, the online content that's made available and, and to benefit from that information. And then the second, I think, is to going back to the questions around copy and, and regulatory compliance. I think for me, it's an opportunity to really set yourself apart as an organization that is responsible, ethical, legally compliant, um, and that prioritizes the rights of your customers. Um, and I think that that is something that we would really like to encourage. And really, the intention of this is not to scare people. It's not, um, I'm sorry to Famila and Claire if I've made you worried about your obligations. That wasn't the intention. <laughs> but the, and that, that's not the intention. I think the, the hope is that people really see the benefit that can come from complying with pieces of legislation like Poppy um, and, and other laws that are really there to protect the consumers and, and facilitate their rights um, and make sure that their, their rights are safeguarded going forward. Mm. And Fumita, in your opinion, do you agree with Avadi? Do you want to add anything in terms of the new opportunities we might be seeing for content makers and communication and communicators in the new digital spaces? Yeah, I think that uh, the, the opportunities are kind of limitless simply because uh, you know, anyone can make good content, you know, because you've got access to technology that is able to shoot really good content, et cetera. So I think that the opportunity that lies in that space is um, how you actually distribute that content, which platforms that, you, you know, the, those things kind of need to be considered. And also maybe keeping in touch with data and research as to what content actually works. Because in a, in a kind of new digital video world, I guess you can be far more addressable in terms of various target markets, right? So what I like and what Claire likes maybe completely uh, different, you know, in terms of our taste. And you can actually serve pieces of content. You have the opportunity to reach us separately. And that's what the digital world really is, is about and really the exciting thing uh, going forward. So I would say that maybe the opportunity in that space is that digital content creation will get cheaper um, because there'll be a lot more for it and, and tech will enable that. Um, and you have the opportunity to be more addressable in your approach. Yeah. And Claire, coming to you, what opportunities do you see in the new digital spaces? I am entirely aligned with Fumida on that point. So that was the similar opportunity that I was going to refer to. I think that um, this idea of digital content creation, for a while, the internet felt like a um, very hungry, fast-moving beast. And there was a race to just make sure that you were getting content up there and, you know, whatever you could and you needed new content every day and it was just whatever you could make and get up and, you know. Um, 
but that really has shifted towards, and, and that felt like um, a, a very superficial monologue, actually. You know, it was quick little updates that the brand were, was delivering, but in a, in a very piecemeal, one-dimensional way. Um, and that opportunity really has shifted. And in that, I think the role of the creative um, teams really uh, is, extends and grows to more thinking about customized messaging, different addressable audiences, and uh, you know more dialogue than this very superficial thin monologue of, of throwing a message and plastering it everywhere. Um, and and you know the the, the craftspeople in in creating um, video and 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 written content have an opportunity again. I think after having um, receded a little bit, actually it's the time for them to to really come to the fore and and show their their creative power. So I think there's huge opportunity for for. Um, creative content makers, not in terms of volume, actually, which is where we've been, but in terms of quality and and uh, customization. And so final question is, you are all senior executives and IAB board members, and I want to get some insights. Can you share some of IAB essays information looking into publishers and plans, the IAB training manual, perhaps workshops, or other, or other things that we need to know about your mandate as an industry body? Um, I'm happy to jump in here just on behalf of publishers who I represent. I think, um, you know, the original issue that I referred to is the, the fact that we're um, at a point when um, uh, online audiences are just accelerating and growing. Um, but traditional models for monetization for, for digital publishers are, are being challenged. Um, and so participation and engagement through the IAB is absolutely critical. There's huge opportunity for us to be um, working together. Um, and, and I would more than anything ask for, for publishers to lean and participate um, because it's, it's a time that we're as an industry under pressure, but we're fulfilling a critical need. Um, and so there, there are many different um, forums and bodies and projects underway for publishers, but I, I would really be calling out to publishers to to lean in and, and get involved. Thank you so much, Amita. I just wanted to, um, I mean, I'm a fairly new member to the IAB board, but um, I just wanted to add, I think that um, where we want to take the IAB is to a, a place where we can do a lot more facilitation, you know, so to help the industry a lot more in the digital economy. Um, I do think that we need to evaluate our funding model in terms of how we exist, um, what is sustainable for the IAB. So it's something that I feel quite passionately about because I, if you have a healthy IAB in, in the country, it's really, really good for the digital economy at large in the country. So, and that helps publishers, it helps brands, it helps regulators. It's something that will basically help all of us that are on the call and representing for. So, yeah, I think from, from that point of view, we really need to find a, a way in which we, um, we create a, 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 you know, a, a sustainable financial model for us to exist and to do more for the industry. Thank you so much for, for those insights as well. And Avani, um, can you share with us some of the insights from your perspective? Uh, what are we looking ahead to as well? 
Yeah, so I'm really excited to be, um, you know, leading the regulatory council during this period because I think there's so many exciting developments that are taking place that are so directly relevant to the digital industry. Um, and particularly, I think, with, with Poppy coming into force, uh, with the substantive provisions being enforceable from 1 July next year, I think the IAB has really taken a lead in trying to assist its members and non-members as well, to the extent that um, non-members are interested in support being provided um, by really offering a range of services. So the training manual will really be the flagship product that we will be working on. Um, and the expectation is that will be published by the end of September. So we're moving quite quickly ahead with that. Um, and that is really going to be a practical guide to assist organizations to implement, develop strategies, try and find ways to um, implement Poppy in a way that's still useful and relevant for the businesses. And then that's going to be coupled with training workshops. And we're offering different types of workshops for different uh, stakeholders within an organization. So we're doing general training workshops for organizations um, that will assist all members who are going to be dealing with personal information on the one hand. And then we're doing bespoke training workshops to the extent that people want, you know, something tailored specifically for their organization. And then the last kind of category of workshops that we're going to be offering is directly for information and deputy information officers to really help them understand what their obligations are try and demystify some of the, the anxiety that might come with, with this piece of legislation um, and understand how they can practically implement it. So I, yeah, I really commend the leadership of, of the IAB for, for taking a lead on this issue. I think it's been such a pleasure working with people like Amida and Claire and, and Paula and other people at the IAB um, because it's, yeah, it's been very clear that people share, there's a common goal um, and that's really to support the members. And that's a wrap on today's show. Biz Takeouts. Take it where you like it, when you like it, how you like it.